So, you know, it's, it's interesting, Lani, Lani suggested that song when he walks into the um, room, right? It, it's interesting, you know, when, um, when, when Jesus walks into a room or walks into a situation. I mean, you know when, when there's certain things in our lives and then he just seems to come into a room or into a situation and something, everything just changed. So, so for me, sometimes worry, you know, worry would be a thing. And I, I, I wouldn't know, you know, whatever comes with worry, how the future would look like, how the situation would look turned out. And then there's this moment when he just comes into the situation, when his peace comes into the situation, when his presence comes into the situation. And it just, it just settles me, you know. Um, but you know, one of the things that, that uh, a guy that discipled or at least had a great influence in my life, he said, he said something that always um, kind of stuck with me. He says, whenever God is coming into a situation or into a room, the frown is gone. It's like, I don't, what's going on? Where, what are you doing, God? You know, and uh, I found sometimes even even when um, trying to understand the things of God, you know, and, and my mind is running and trying to figure it out from this end and that end and up here and there. And then, you know, the frown. The frown is not reserved to the unintelligent. <laughs> In fact, I found him actually more the intelligent when it comes to the things of God. There's a, there's a definite frown. And then he comes into the situation. And then, okay, I see. And it's not like, again, it's not like my word's different. I just, it just settles. I just know he's the light of the world. It's like, um, yeah, I just see. I just see suddenly. I think my, um, a friend of mine, he, uh, um, he once, he taught on the Trinity. And so I don't know if anybody of you have ever tried to figure out the Trinity, I'll tell you what Christians usually taught on it without trying to understand, teach on it, without trying to explain it. So we believe in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, there's a contradiction right there. And, uh, you know, trying to figure that out and trying to see and, and put in words, you know. And uh, this... This guy that I know, he, he was when in my first year in Bible school, he was teaching us, and he got, and we were busy with the Trinity, and you know, it went just like, you know, all kinds of pictures. It's like, you know, the Trinity is like water. Sometimes it's water, sometimes it's gas, sometimes it's ice, but it's one thing. That still that doesn't work, you know. It's not like the Father suddenly <laughs> becomes the Son now. <laughs> It's, it, it's three distinct persons. No, they're one. It's, right? So, I mean, it's, that leaves a frown on even Einstein. Right? And uh, he, he, was, um, he was kind of the whole day thinking how to explain it to us. And then he came up with this idea. He says, like, trying to explain the Trinity is trying to explain to a blind person how the color red looks like.
<laughs> Welcome. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so, you know, this, this idea kind of became a little bit of a catchy phrase. How do you explain to a blind person how the color red looks like? Just quickly try and do that now. Just think in your head how you would do it. Knowing that the blind person have no reference of how color looks like. Try and explain to a blind person how the color red looks like. And uh, um, he was, um, you know, thinking it became a little bit of a philosophical thing. And then he, his, his son at that stage is four years old. And he, he later in that afternoon, he's like, let's hear what the boy says, you know. And he, he says to his son, his name was Vian David. He said, Vian, what would you, um, how would you explain to a blind person how the color red looks like like? And immediately, he answers, it's easy, Papa. I'll ask Jesus to open up his eyes. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's exactly, you know. He could have studied the definition of red. I mean, um, but, but it's, it's, you know, our eyes need to open up. And it's something when Jesus walks into the room. Suddenly we see, just the frown is, is gone, and we see and we know. Now, I, um, I feel like the, the past while, just the testimony of when I speak to, just seeing the church and seeing Christians, it, there's just a massive frown <laughs> left, left on them, right? It's not as, as easy as children, it's like... Uh, it's why the encouragement is there. That's maybe Jesus using it right now. See, it's, 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 there's just no frown, you know. It's just so easy, actually, at times. And that's why we are asked to, to be like them, to be like children. Um, but I, I've, I've really found, like, there's this, this kind of frown on the people of God in this, in this last time. And, uh, you know, in, in Matthew 24, I actually haven't got that verse um, chapter up. But maybe we can go there. Can we? So, so, so Matthew 24. Um, uh, I want to quickly read to you guys. It's, it's, it's Matthew 24. Is um, The disciples comes to Jesus and um, asking him about how would we know when, 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 they're asking him actually, when is your second coming? When, when are you coming again? And this is a hot topic. You know, people love this to speak about this type of stuff. And then Jesus said this. Jesus came up from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will the sign of your coming and of the end of the age be? <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. See to it that no one misleads you. See that no one deceives you. And that's Jesus' encouragement. First, off the bat, see to it that no one misleads you and pull you into stuff and to causes 
into mandates, into battles that I'm not in. Okay? For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and of rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. It's, it's, just, it's a common encouragement of Jesus. Do not be frightened. All right? For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdoms, in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Let me stop here. Can I, can I say this? If your war of your battle or the thing that you are trusting God for to happen on the earth is that the earth will become a better place. In, in the 80s, there was a song, like all the famous, uh, all the, I think it was the 80s, right? So it's irrelevant to most of you here, but there was a song, and uh, uh, of all the famous singers of, of the time, it's like, we are the world. We are the ones. And so the song actually was, I mean, you can't ask something better. We want to make the world a better place. We want to make the world a better place. Make South Africa great again. Make America great again. Make South Africa great again. Just make South... Oh. Now, I tell you, in this past month, if I would have gone to different prayer houses, intercession rooms, Facebook prayer groups, and I would have gone and asked, what is the number one prayer request in this time? It would be that these things will not happen. That would have been the request. Jesus, just take away the poverty. Just take away the famines. Just take away the wars. Just take away all these things. Just make... Just give us a better government. Just take away all the corruption. Just, uh, uh, that is number one prayer request in this time. In fact, you can rally millions, may I say, for that cause. And I, I want to tell you that Jesus is not in that cause and he never promised us a better world. And I want to say, if you are pulled into that cause in the name of Jesus, you will be disappointed. You will be disappointed. It's interesting, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit of a follower of news, so this might be not interesting to many of you. And uh, it's interesting, I've, I've actually, I think I've been tricked, uh, for a little while I've been tricked into American politics you see, prophets have risen up in America, and prophets has risen up in America and has promised a better America. And much of the church has been pulled into that mandate to find a way to better America. Make it great again. Make it Christian again. Now listen, uh, but, but I, I think it's a lost cause that God is not in. And I'm not saying... If you want to pray, it's fine. But I'm saying it, if that's the thing that you give yourself into and want to see on this earth, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. 
because it's not what's been promised to us. In fact, it's getting better after that, meaning it's getting worse. It's like, as he's, no, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the birth pains. The real hammer still needs to come down. And then he encourages and says, if many, many in that time will be shaken, many in that time will be shaken, they will not understand the goal, they would not understand what I've set itself for, and many will lose in that time. And I, I've, I've felt like, well, it's like my observation at least is few organizations have been shaken, if you can call it an organization, as much as the church been lately. <laughs> this is like the smallest thing that seems to shake us in this time. And I, I think it would be good if, if we would understand our goal, if we are again set with a purpose and goal, if clarity can come again, if the frown can go away again. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, say it's the end of the first century, in, uh, um, I think it's verse 10, John addresses the guys to rewrite this letter, or well, it's a prophecy, this vision to, and he, he, he says to them, fellow partakers of the tribulation, and that's, that's his, that's how he knows his people, fellow partakers of the tribulation, don't worry, it's going to go better, you know, he doesn't say that, but you must understand, look, we've, we've lucky, we've got 2,000 years of history of Christianity, right? These guys were the, were the very first guys, right? They have given themselves up, laid down their lives to accept Jesus and follow them. They had probably <laughs> this hope that things are going to get better. And here they are, 50 years down the line, and almost all their bodies got killed. They are hated, and the world is not a better place. And so, so God writes, oh, this letter is then addressed to them, fellow partakers of the tribulation. And then in, in, in Revelation 4, it's, it's one of my awesome pictures, you know, it's, a, it's that worship, it's the throne room of God section where the elders are falling down, throwing down their crowns. You've got all those living beings or those beings with, with a, a, a face of an ox, a face of a lion, a face of a man, and a face of an eagle. I mean, can you imagine those type of stuff, you know, worshiping Jesus? Um, and then the scene of it, it's, it's, anyway, it's a very cool portion for me, but the scene of it is God is sitting on the throne. I mean, you, you're in the throne room, and it doesn't get more holy than that. You know, that's like, and God is standing with a book in his, in his, in his arm as he's on that throne. And uh, the book is covered with seven seals. You can't open up the book. It's not just like, can I just check what's in it? It's covered. It's, it's sealed off. And so John, he starts crying. You know, it's a little bit melodramatic there. Uh, I can't see what's in the book. There's seven seals on. And he looks around and he says, even those creatures with the four faces, none of them are worthy to open up that book. That book is so sacred, no one can open it. And so he's, uh, he's sad and he cries. And then the focus shifts as Jesus walks into the room. He says, he's worthy to open up this book. <sighs> and I was about to pop those seals, seven of them, so that we can see what is that book 
that is so sacred that no one can open it except Jesus. Do you want to see what's in that book? Curse you. Wars is going to come onto the earth. Second seal. Nation against nation. Third seal, death. I mean, it goes on. Famine. Why? You see, God had that book in his hand. He was speaking to his church and says, even though you will see all of those things on the earth, know that I am in control. Things is not going out of my hand. I am in control. For a guy that's in a tribulation, and I mean, let's face it, the tribulation is worse than ours. It's... God, you're in control, even in the midst of all these things. Because my kingdom is not from this earth. And he never promised me that this will become just a better world in some ways. But he's reserved for me a kingdom, not on land, in the hearts of men. Right. So Hebrews 11, here we go to actually some of the verses that I've given him. Hebrews 11, from verse 13 to 16, it says, it speaks of the Old Testament guys that has, they had a little bit of a frown. Some of them, most of them was just clueless, and some of them saw a little bit of what we are able to, to experience right now. And so these guys saw this, they says, these all died in faith, not having the received the things promised. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land, so, so my translation speaks, they are seeking a country. And if they had been thinking of that land or that country from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. I just wonder, where is your country? And what is the war that you are giving yourself to? Where are you investing? I've, I want to live that I don't invest anything on this earth. Because it's passing. Right? And I know, you know, in this time, there's so many causes that's causing us to see. I know we all have good ideas what can make this country better. But that's not the point. For our country is not here. Our country is with God. You know, um, when Jesus came to the earth, you must understand. I mean, you're you, you South African. I don't know how patriotic you are. It's very nice if you are and so on. And I'm not trying to say don't be, you know, in the Olympic shot for your country, not for the other countries. It's a good thing, you know. But this, don't, don't set your heart. Don't, don't invest your heart there. That's not, that's not the battle. That's not the ultimate battle, right? 
But you, uh, you, you must understand, these guys that, uh, that were speaking of in Hebrews 11, they are Jews. God has promised them actually a land. I mean, they've got a little bit of backing, you know. The promised land, you know. It's like, and even these guys, when they actually came to understand, realized, ah, oh, it's not here. But then, so when Jesus came, the whole expectation of all of Israel, the whole expectation of Israel was God going to make our country great again. Going to get those dirty government officials out of here. Get those Romans out of here. Those guys that have treated us badly. No human rights, thank you very much. I mean, there's abuse, there's everything that you can imagine. And so here, Jesus, people start getting a sense, this might be the Messiah, finally. And he gathers them and he speaks to them. And he says, well, in regards to the Romans, <laughs> when they take your top coat, don't let them do it. Take it back, man. He says, no. Also give your undercoat. Also give some of your other clothes. Oh, when they ask you to carry their stuff, when the soldiers are going there, those dirty ones, those, those, those unjust ones, ask you to carry in your homeland. They pull you from the road and says, carry my stuff. They ask you to do it one mile, do it two miles. They hit you on the one cheek. Unfairly, turn that other cheek as well. And even till the end, even till the end, the very reason why they couldn't receive him and why all of Israel is sitting with a, a frown still today is because they were looking for the wrong kingdom. It's not of this earth, but it's from above. <laughs> you know, um, there's, a, there's an instance in the Gospels Two instances where people were sleeping and people were awake. First instance is when Jesus on a boat and there's a storm. Let's say, call it a bit of a tribulation. Right? Twelve guys are awake and one guy is sleeping. Then at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, now's the time to be awake, guys. It's at the cross. This is what it's all about. Twelve guys fall asleep. And one guy is awake. I'm afraid that we are asleep for the things that God is awake for. And we are awake. And stirred. And rattled. While Jesus is sleeping on these matters. You know, I, I, I mean, I thought about, I think I made that example somewhere last year, but can you imagine there was a news outlet in heaven, the Times of Heaven? All right? Heaven Times. And I know there, there's so many news outlets today, and um, you know, journalists, they are, journalists, 
I, I'm, I'm sure they like, have, have good intentions to make our world a better place. They're trying to expose what is evil and bad and, and, and trying to pull us to causes that they are sure will change this world, right? And so they bring up relevant issues and they show to us what's going on in our world to declare to us this is the number one issue. This is what it's all about. I'm telling you, not one of the articles, not one of the news feeds of this world will reach the times of heaven. It's like, that's so irrelevant. It's not even back page sports news. It's like, when I was thinking about it, like, it might have been that the American elections, I mean, I'm speaking now as a, as an international citizen, which seems to be the most prevalent issue on the face of the earth, might not have reached the times of heaven. It just... But there might be the power of the cross, maybe in a little family in Yemen, that is forever changed in its front page news in the times of heaven. A brother that was treated unfairly and no one knew about it, chose to forgive a brother. Oh, front page, angels are watching this time and time again. <laughs> and we are caught up into a war, into a battle. Just but Paul says in, in uh, um, Philippians 3, he says, I want to take hold I want to take hold of that which Jesus has taken hold of me so that I don't run my race in vain. How sad it would be when Christians all over the world are being rallied to causes in the name of Jesus for good causes. And they are zealous and passionate for those causes. And at the end of their life, Jesus says, I've never taken hold of that for you. You've run your race in vain. You maybe can go to heaven. But you know, Romans 10, verse 1, Paul says, I can testify of my fellow brothers, the, the, the Jews, that they have great zeal for God. We live in a time that people are zealous. Man. Bravery is the word out there. Everybody is willing to stand up and give his opinion. It's celebrated more than ever. Everybody has an opinion, right? Students, I want to tell you, you are, you are rallied to have an opinion about everything, about everything. Just, let's just look here. Vaccine. I can do more. Must. right <laughs> and I mean black lives matter right oh I, I can I can I can just throw bombs and I'm sure we'll not be quiet right and uh, Paul says 
my Jewish brothers, they are zealot. But zeal means nothing. He says, they are zealous for God. They are zealous for God. That's what he says. Oh, they're passionate. But they've been pulled into causes that God is not in. Because they are trying to achieve a righteous <laughs> Can you correct me? Uh? <laughs> you are being pulled into causes. They are trying to find a righteousness in their case. They're trying to find a righteousness apart from Christ. Oh, they're zealous for it, but it's useless. I'm telling you guys, causes are being thrown at you. <laughs> Don't get derailed. Don't get derailed. All right. Now, um, one of the things that I, I, this is one of my favorite verses in, in, at, at this moment, is in Revelation 2. I think I've got it there. Revelation 2 verse 24. So, some of, some of the more spiritual people uh, has actually been investigating what is going on on the earth. And they've been finding their way into the pit of hell, seeing what the devil is doing. So, we might know. You know, what is behind the doiki doiki doiki? What is behind the doiki doiki doiki? What is behind the doiki doiki doiki? They have, they've investigated to us what the devil is doing on the earth. And Paul says, but I say to you, the rest who are in Tyra, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, you are in trouble, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. You that have not given yourself to try and figure out what the devil is doing, I will put no burden on you. Guess what? You that try to figure out what the devil is doing, you will be so burdened. It's so interesting, man. I, I see all this, this theories of what the devil is doing, who he's using, Bill Gates, 5G, Chinese. I mean, it's just, is. And there's a suspicion and a theory, may I say, conspiracy theory behind it all. And my testimony of all those things and causes is a frown, is a burden. And then Jesus says, but you that have not seek or try to seek the deep truths or teachings of Satan, I put no burden on you. Don't find yourself being pulled into a cause to try and figure out what Satan is doing. <laughs> it will be liberating just to stay away from that thing. Okay. Now, um, the other thing, oh, I, I should put it up, but, you know, it's, it's interesting when we then do deal with the, what, what is God doing on the earth? What is his purposes? What is his working? The idea that it sometimes are presented so mystical and so, so frownish. And, 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 and it's sometimes just reserved for a very deep spiritual type of people. And it's so complicated. And it's just like, you don't just get it, man. You must be really. So Paul deals with that issue several times, actually. He speaks about this mystery, you know. This mystery of God's will. And so let's read it. And uh, there's, there's two portions that I'm going to go. So it's a bit longer reading through the Bible. For this reason, I, Paul, 
a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. I'm, 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 God has asked me to steward His grace, you know, when I minister to it. So, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. You know, when a mystery has been revealed, it's no longer a mystery. That's the whole point of the mystery. So there, was, there used to be a mystery, don't, don't get me wrong, and I'll explain now why it's been a mystery, all right? But this mystery has now been revealed, okay? As I've written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, and is now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets. You, you must understand, in the Old Testament, God asked guys to make festivals, slaughter goats, slaughter bulls, have this type of building of this type of measurement. Have you read some of those prophecies in the Old Testament? It's easy to go now and say like, oh, now I understand. But I mean, when you were in it, it's just like a mess. And you've done all of these things and it's like, what on earth is God doing? There's a mystery. But now, in this age, God has revealed to us what was the point of it all. What is this mystery? And He reveals to us, by the Spirit, <laughs> this mystery is that the Gentiles, it's we, the heathens, all right, and our fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which has been given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I have known now what is God's answer. I have come to discover it's no longer a secret. Everything that was there in the Old Testament, everything that was ever there has come to point to this thing. And the mystery is gone, as it's been revealed. And to bring to light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God, who created all things. Now, boom, listen to this. Verse 10. So that through the church, listen, I just want to say, there is no other agent, no other vehicle on the face of the earth for which God is going to bring forth His purpose. He has chosen this thing. These, these guys. So beautiful. To have you as my sister. <laughs> to see what God is doing in your life. To see how God is working through you. To be able to share in that. Right? So beautiful to see Linky working through the English. <laughs> And knowing that it's not even the slickness of the presentation. But it's the life of God in her through this. That He's showing forth the city from above, His purposes. To the powers and principalities in the rulers. Verse 11. This was according to His eternal purpose that He realized in Christ Jesus. I want to read you guys one more. I know you guys are laboring with me through the scriptures here, okay? 
But I want to I wanna read you one more. I want to read you guys a portion in Colossians. Before we go there, I just want to say, Colossians is, is tricky um, in that time. Colossians has a whole lot of uh, religions actually going on in the time, theories. And so as with many things, you know, as even with the church, the, 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 the kind of causes of the world pretty soon become infiltrated in the church, and we kind of Christianize that same causes, right? And uh, um, one of the things that was in, in Colossia was, you guys won't believe it, but there was a whole movement that would um, give gives spiritual or, or, or almost deity um, identity to some of the things of nature. So you'll have this, the river spirit and you'll have the mountain spirit. And there was something of getting in tune with nature and Mother Earth, right? It's still around today, you know, the celebration of the earth, Mother Earth and all those type of stuff. But, but, but then you also had the Gnostics that had to say that in order to figure out what it's all about, you had to have a secret knowledge, obviously, it, it was this big philosophical riddle that you could never really know. But the more philosophical you get about it, you know, the more spiritual you seem about it. And so the church got pulled into these type of things. And so Paul writes then to them in Colossia. And we read from 1 to 26. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations. Same thing. But it's now been manifested to his saints. The previous time it was manifested to the apostles and prophets. Now we're lucky it's been manifested to the saints. To all of us, this has been manifested. Verse 27. This is, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. In you, the hope of glory. Verse 28. Oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we might present every man complete in Christ. Listen to this. For this purpose I labor. For this purpose I labor. When I see the world, I've got one solution for them, Christ. When I see the church, I've got one thing. I want to raise them up more into Jesus. For this thing I labor. For this thing I gave myself. I'm not going to get pulled into any other causes. But for this thing. For this purpose also I labor. Striving according to His power, which works, which mightily works within me. According to the power that is invested to me, this is the thing that I labor for. Chapter 2. Paul didn't write in chapters. It's one long chapter, so don't get shaken here. Chapter 2, verse 1. We continue to read. <laughs> for I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are in Laodicea. Whew, I think Paul would have caught a freaking heart attack if he lived today to see where the church is running and all kinds of things, you know. But I want you to know how great a struggle I have on behalf of you uh, and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me, my face. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance 
all the wealth that comes from a full assurance. Oh, I want the church to have a wealth of full assurance. That they will know that they will not waste their time and to be pulled into this and pulled into this, be, be, be worried about this thing and that thing, having an eternal frown over their heads. But the wealth that comes from a full assurance of <laughs> understanding resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. <laughs> in whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want to seek wisdom and knowledge? <laughs> Follow this philosopher, that thing, your thing. Everything, all wisdom and all knowledge is captured into Christ. I, listen, I say this to you. I say this to you. So that no one will dilute you with persuasive arguments. I say this to you. So that no one will persuade you, delude you with persuasive arguments arguments. I, I've got a number of things, but I think I'll just land it here now. Um, can, we, can we, in this time, I, I, oh, just before lockdown, we felt like um, we, they're going to come gearing down, and it's really happened. There was a bit of momentum, and we geared down just the momentum of the church, and, and the feeling was that we'll all just again come onto the same page. What are we warring for? What are we fighting here? What are we giving ourselves for? And if we're not sure, we're going to be pulled into all kinds of things. The news are going to pull us this way. Even the church, even, can I say this, you know, uh, that be wary of false teachers. And I'll tell you some of the things that false teachers will do. It's amazing to me how people can be swayed. When a guy quotes a Greek word, all right, and so what he does then is, is he understands the meaning of this Greek word. Now, you would have seen in your Bible translations, it says this. But I realize this Greek word means this. So, I am superior <laughs> to every other Bible translator of all times to realize that this Greek word means, you know, and... And just that type of information has an ability to throw people all over. You quote a Hebrew word, doesn't. Jesus says, you search the scriptures. I love this. You search the scriptures, and in them you think there's eternal life, but the very scriptures is testifying of me, Jesus. And the very essence of scripture is to bring people to Jesus. And if there is scripture and teaching that is pulling us away to any other cause, even using the Bible, and elevating minors at the cost of majors. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are neglecting the weightier matters, focusing. It's one thing of the religious spirit. They make a big thing of a small thing and a small thing of a big thing. Right? And pulling out little words here and there and bold, whole theologies around it that pulls us away from the actual essence. Watch out for false prophets. Just because a guy said, God said, just because a guy said, I had a vision. Just because a guy said, I had the sense last night, or I had this dream, or whatever. <laughs> you are not bound to listen to that guy. 
or gold. Listen to this. Revelation 19. I think it's verse 10. says, the spirit of prophecy. How do I know when the spirit of prophecy is around? It says, Revelation 19, verse 10. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And if prophecy causes me to seek the deep things of Satan, and if prophecy is causing me to, to have derailed from the very essence of the mystery that's now been revealed, don't go for it, guys. Don't go for it. It is amazing how the church can be swayed by, I've been in a trance, I had a dream. Or, you know the Greek word says this, right? Come on, right? This is the light music. The real hot music is still coming of God's really going to shake us and trying to deceive us. But if we have our goal and our focus, we can steer through this time well. I wish we could do this now, but it's a little bit difficult in this COVID times. But I would encourage you to do this in this week. What did Jesus leave us with? One practical thing. One thing that he instituted for us. Well, two, but one is baptism. <laughs> death and resurrection of him, of Jesus. And the other one is communion. Do this often so that you will <laughs> remember, remember me. Remember me. May the frown be taken away. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to pray. Maybe you guys, I, I've asked actually on the recording that the guys in homes will take communion. It's a bit easier if it's a smaller group. But uh, um, in times of what we are, we want to remember him. Okay, so I'll pray. And then, I don't know, we'll all go to riding, whatever you want. <laughs> Jesus, I pray even as you walk into the room, as you walk into the church, I'm not just speaking of this building, but just in the hearts of your people, Lord, that the frown will be removed, that the easiness of being swayed, the easiness of being really deceived and being pulled into causes and to be pulled into things that as a heavenly people, we are not called to. Jesus, Paul calls us, we are soldiers that is enlisted by our commander. Let us not get entangled in civilian affairs. Father, I pray that none of us will get derailed and get pulled into civilian affairs, but we will stay true to our commander. And we will stay true to the, to the task and the labor that he has set before us. Father, that we will give ourselves for the thing that you have given yourself to us so that we will not run in vain, Father. We will run with intent and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.